this was all circulating around the base that a giant had been killed, but no one was supposed to talk about it. I saw three long bony fingers reach up underneath the door, curl up to grab it, and then disappear. When he came over to me, dude, he slithered over to me. And this giant comes out of the cave and they're all frozen. And he starts running and firing at this giant. Well, the giant moves. He's got a spear in one hand and he's running really fast and spears Dan and holds him up like this. Somebody yells, shoot him in the face, shoot him in the face. They basically decapitate him. Got closer, got closer, got closer. When he got about 15 yards away from me, I raised that 12 gauge and I blow his head off. I feel something pulling at my leg. And I look over and there are two small gray entities pulling at me. And they're literally, I'm getting pulled off the bed. I reach my hand into this bush and I touch air. Couldn't breathe and I couldn't move because I know I'm seeing a monster. the show everybody you're listening to the confessionals i am your host tony merkel and thank you for being here if you've had an encounter or a story you'd like to share with me on the show go ahead and shoot me that email my email address is the confessionals podcast at gmail.com that's the confessionals podcast at gmail.com or go to the website the confessionals podcast.com hit the connection section and you can reach me that way as well either way works for me just get a hold of me now, I hope you guys are enjoying your week here, and this is the special episode for Thursday, the Thursday edition, celebrating our arrival at Revolver Podcast. I want to let you guys know that we are also on Spotify and iHeartRadio now, which is great news for you, great news for me. It makes the show more accessible to more people. That's always a great thing. So we got a show coming up here today with Dodd, where Dodd emailed me a while back talking to me about his experiences living on a haunted farm in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. If you don't know, Gettysburg is home to the most famous battle of the Civil War, and there was a lot of different things that happened in that area, and Dodd comes on to talk about these things with us today. I want to let everybody know before we get into the show today that we are going to start moving our normal broadcast from Saturday nights to Tuesday nights. So after today's broadcast, the following broadcast you're going to be able to hear is going to be next Tuesday. So I just want to let you guys know that so you're not looking around on Saturday wondering where the show is. It's actually going to start broadcasting on Tuesday nights now. So I just want to let you know that. Hopefully you guys are okay with that. And let's get into the show right after this. All right, tonight I have a great guest coming on. Uh, Dodd had emailed me about some experiences that he had had growing up, 
And it's interesting because Dodd doesn't live too far from me. He actually uh, grew up in the Gettysburg area of Pennsylvania. And I actually remember visiting Gettysburg when I was a kid, going on vacation with my parents and stuff. It's, you know, quite the tourist town now. And, uh, but Dodd actually, his parents moved him into an old farm where uh, he kind of started having experiences. And uh, I thought that was very interesting. I definitely wanted to have Dodd come on the, on the show tonight. Dodd, how are you, man? I'm doing fine. Yep. Yep. That's great, man. I'm glad to I'm glad to have you on. And when you emailed me um your encounters and stuff like that, uh I was definitely interested. And uh so I definitely wanted to have you on. And so here you are. So when you were a kid and you got and you, your parents moved you on to the farm, what had started happening? Like what was the timeline here? What was the sequence of events? Uh, yeah. Well, it was uh, 1984. Um, my grandparents bought a farm. It was subdivided off a, a bigger farm that was uh, a farm that was original, you know, that was there during the battle. It was about five miles southwest of town and uh, behind the Confederate lines. And their house wasn't built, but uh, they had moved some horses up there and uh, we had moved up and uh, rented out the farmhouse that, you know, was the original part of the farm until their house was built. And uh, we stayed there for about six months until their house was done. And it started out, it was, the, the house was used as a hospital after the battle. Of course, any standing buildings after the battle were pretty much used as hospitals. And uh, it started out one night, it was probably around midnight or after we'd gone to bed. And uh, you'd hear horses running up to like the front door, and you heard the front door open, and you heard boots shuffling around in in the, which was the kitchen area, which is right inside the front door. And and uh, and my aunt that was staying with us, she had got up and she went running out to see what was going on, what was happening, and nobody was there. And uh, I came out as well, and and it was just like, yeah, I heard that too, and. Uh, so that that was like the the whole wow something might be going on here. Uh, another night in that house, I remember it was a rainy night, and there was a creek that ran behind the house, and uh, we kept hearing people, you know, cussing and stuff, and you know, kind of mumbling in the rain, and and we shined the flashlights out there, and there there was just nobody back there, and uh, and that house was just you know. There, there was always something going on. Even after my grandparents got their house built, and the, you know that place was sold off, and we got new neighbors. They, you know, things, things just always went on. Uh, weird stuff. The one, one neighbor, his horse attacked him out of the blue. Came running across the field, bit off his ear, and just, you know, and uh, yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, there was a lot that went on there, and then we moved over. You know over onto our part of the farm that was subdivided off. And my grandparents put up a, you know, a new house that it set up the driveway, probably 150 yards. And, uh, they had a, a barn, a horse barn, indoor riding arena and stuff. And that's, that's kind of what they did. They raised horses and trained them. And, uh, it was real close to the old bank barn. that was, you know, still attached to the original property. And it started getting activity 
in in the barn, you would have you'd see stuff for peripheral vision. Uh, you would hear hear uh, uh, you'd hear somebody shout at you, and, and nobody'd be around. And, and there was there was stuff like that uh, the whole time. And when things really escalated, that it was like there. My uh, my parents bought a house trailer to put next to the barn, and this was in '87. And the the house trailer sat; it was a single wide. It sat in the field for probably two years. <clears throat> and uh, when I was 19, I bought this house trailer and finished setting it up and and moved into it. And uh, and I had it. I was like I said, I was only 19 at the time. Didn't really know you know how to deal with bills and everything and and uh my parents who were both cross-country truck drivers that's why i lived with my grandparents uh they started living there in the house and they you know started they got more local runs and and uh i moved back to the spare bedroom of this house trailer and, and this is where uh, if anything would make anybody a believer, it, it was, it started in the spare bedroom, this house trailer, like I said, it was a single wide at, uh, at the West end of the house trailer, there was the master bedroom and master bathroom. And I came into a kitchen and living room area. And this was, it was all, it was laid out that everything was wide open. And then there was the spare bedroom at the far end of the house. And, uh, when I moved back there, uh, things would, uh, come up missing. Uh, I would wake up in the morning and the closet doors were open and the drawers would be pulled out, but, you know, pulled out a little bit, not to a large extent. And, uh, and then I, I'm a very sound sleeper and, and looking back, it, it's kind of like, uh, I, I don't know how I slept through some of this stuff, but I woke up one morning and the bed was a bed frame. It was like the bed that came with the house trailer. It wasn't, uh, it was, you know, for lack of better terms, it was just a cheap little, you know, uh, furnishing that came with the trailer. It sat like down on a little, uh, framework. And then, the and like with angle iron running down each side and it, the box spring sat down into this angle iron with the mattress on top. And I would wake up in the morning and, uh, the mattress would be twisted around on top of the box spring. And I knew I was a sound sleeper. Uh, and I was like, well, am I tossing and turning in my sleep? How, how am I doing this? And, uh, you know, and it, it baffled me and, you know, like a week would go by. And I'd wake up and this would happen again. And, you know, the next time the mattress would be really, you know, h hanging halfway off the bed. And, uh, and again, I would get up and I would look at this and how is this happening? Uh, one morning I woke up, the box spring had literally been moved up out of its framework. And like I said, it sat down in between two angle irons and was sitting up out, you know, out of joint with this. And then the mattress was completely twisted around another way. And, and I woke, I know I woke up that morning because I was half falling out of the bed and the sun was up at the, this point and everything. And it was just like, how does this happen to this bed? And, uh, 
the time I would sleep back there. Sometimes I'd sleep on the sofa, depending on if uh, my parents were home or not. And, uh, well, one night I woke up and, uh, my parents were both, they would, they, at this time they had jobs where, you know, they were home on the weekends and they would pass, you know, they would come through once or twice during the week. And I woke up and the bed was shaking or not shaking, maybe bouncing off of the floor to an extent. And, uh, that'll wake you up. And I got up and, and once I sat up and like my feet hit the floor, it stopped. And I sat there and I thought this, this you know, uh, is there an earthquake going on? Is there, you know, any, whatever the logical explanation would be, because this trailer was brand new. No one else had ever lived in it. And I couldn't understand, you know, there couldn't be anything happening there because it was a, you know, a new place. And, uh, but that's, I, I pretty much stopped sleeping in that bedroom after that. And whenever we'd have somebody come and stay, like, uh, my one cousin came up from North Carolina and was staying and, and, uh, you know, she was seeing the battlefield and everything. And, and, uh, I was down there and, uh, she went to bed back in the spare bedroom and, uh, it probably 15, 20 minutes, she comes out of the bedroom and she sits down on the sofa and she was like, wide eyed, wide awake. And, uh, she was like, I'm not sleeping in that bed. And, uh, we we're like, okay, well, you know, what, what happened? And she was like, I thought somebody crawled in bed with me. And she goes, when I flipped on the light, there was an indentation in the bed next to me. And wow. she said, I crawled out the end and she said, I'm not. And it was like, oh, that's fine. And, you know, and I'm talking about this house trailer. But a hundred yards up the driveway was my grandparents' house. Uh, my grandfather had passed away at this point, and uh, I would stay up there. I traveled a lot between trucking, and uh, plus I rodeoed, which had me away on the weekends and stuff. And then my parents were home on the weekends and and everything. But uh, it, that house trailer, it all started, like I said, in there, and I got an explanation. I talked to a friend of mine in town who's a well-known historian, author. Uh, uh, is it all right to drop his name? or? Yeah, absolutely. Go ahead. The, yeah, the, the guy's name is Bill Fresnito. Uh, he's written a couple books, and uh, he's pretty much a, you know known worldwide. And there's a, there's a little pub I used to hang out in. It was Battlefield Guys and Historians. Uh, and... Uh, I was telling him about us, like, I got activity in the South trailer. It doesn't make any sense. And I gave him the address. And, and, uh, a few nights later, he comes to me and says, I know what's going on with your place. He said that, that house that's right behind you, the old, the old house in that old bank barn. He said that was there during the battle and the Confederates used it as a field hot or a hospital after the battle. And during the retreat, there was uh, a lot of prisoners taken back there. And I was like, yeah, but that was the house. He said, the records show there was like 5,000 people, soldiers treated at that place. And he said, that field that's now your farm, that's where all the tents would have been set up, up away from the creek in case it flooded because they never knew. And everybody, you know, they might have been operated on in the house, but it would have pretty much that field would have been the tent city where, you know, 
dying and wounded, you know, were encamped until they, they got moved off, you know, at some point later. And then, then it made sense. Well, the house trailer was sitting right in the middle and our barn, which was a modern barn was, you know, also right, right where all that would have been. And, uh, and that was, uh, you know, the explanation that the house trailer until that place was sold in 2004, I wound up buying it off my grandmother, uh, in 98. And, uh, and then when she passed away, I, I sold it, but, uh, the house trailer, I gave it, uh, the, the township wanted, wanted it to be moved off the property because, you know, there was big, you know, the neighbors were putting up big houses around us. And uh, I gave it to this guy and I should back up a little bit, but because there's a lot that that house trailer, it started in the spare bedroom, but it wound up taking over the whole house trailer. After I bought it, I had rented it out to some people that were renting the barn and uh, training and, you know, trading horses. And uh, their son, who was, you know, late teen, early 20, had moved into it kind of like his first place. His parents lived across town. And uh, and I told his father kind of a disclosure thing. It was like, I don't know if you believe in this stuff or not, but that house trailer is haunted, you know. And, uh, of course, his, uh, his was like, well, well, don't tell my boy that or else he won't stay there. And so his father <laughs> sounded like a desperate in. dad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he moved him in and it, it was, and, uh, my wife and I, which we, we'd been married not too long before that, but, uh, you know, we were like looking at each other, kind of asking a question. Well, I wonder how long it'll be. And it was about a month. And one day he comes up, he says, all right, Dad, I want to know what's up with that house trailer down there. And of course I was like, what do you mean? What's up with it? He said, like turn themselves on. Uh, the TV turns itself off and on. And, uh, you know, so it, it started getting active with him. And then he had a buddy that I'm just going to, JP, we'll call him JP. That's fine. Uh, this, whatever, whatever was in that house trailer had something for or against JP. And I know one night they were down there playing cards and stuff. I was down there. And uh, a couple of, of uh, you know, Shane was the boy who was staying in it. A couple of his buddies were down there and were sitting at the table playing cards. And the door would, would open, the, you know, the front door that led out of the house. And it was like around the corner that you couldn't see it. But we'd be sitting there and all of a sudden there'd be a cold breeze come through. And JP was sitting at the corner, you know, closest to the door. And he would get up and he would look around the corner and he'd close the door and he would pull on the door and shake. And he's like, this, this door, he goes, it seems fine. He'd come back and 10 minutes later, the door would swing open again. And, uh, Shane had gotten into a little bit of, you know, research and stuff. He had an old tape recorder. He, uh, got a tape recorder running, trying to catch an EVP and, uh, which he never did, but, uh, Things after that, if JP came onto the property and he would be walking towards the house trailer, like one night, all the lights came on and the door opened before he got there. And of course it, it freaked him out and he was like, no, nah, I don't think I'm going in there tonight. And, uh, and, uh, the, the final thing that happened to JP that he quit even going into the house 
is he walked in one night and, and Shane was talking to his girlfriend on the phone and he was back in the bedroom and, and he'd say, I'll be a few minutes. So, uh, JP sits down on the sofa in the living room and, uh, like the sofa was against one wall and the TV and the stereo system was across the room, you know, not the, the long way across the kind of the short way across the room, uh, probably six feet. And he's watching the TV and he notices stereo come on. And so he starts looking like, am I sitting on the remote? And then he sees the remote sitting on the coffee table and he's like, well, that isn't it. Well, then it switches to CD and it had like a, a three or five disc CD changer and it, it like changed this like twice. And then the tracks and it went to like a, a certain number track. I'm just going to say number five. And then it hit, it went, it played, but the volume went full blast. And the song, which they later figured out was uh, that Tom Dooley song. It's a song that date, actually dates back to the Civil War. And it was a country hit in like the 60s. Wow. And uh, this song is blaring. And, and JP's sitting there wide-eyed and mouth hanging open. And Jane comes running out of the, the bathroom. like, hey, man, I'm, I'm trying to talk to my girlfriend. What? you know, what are you doing? And he was like, I didn't do anything. And, you know, Shane's turning down the stereo and, and JP walks out and, and, uh, you know, later they figured out the song and, and JP said, well, that was the thing. He said, it was like, it turned on the stereo and then looked for the song that it was looking for. And, uh, you know, and, and it just blasted. And, uh, I know, JP would come down to the barn and he would help out. And if he was taking horses out to the pasture and he'd walk past the trailer, lights would come on and they would go off. And, and, uh, you know, I asked him, I was like, I didn't think anybody was home. And he said, Oh, they're not, you know, but, uh, he never went back into that house trailer after that. So it's understandable. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, I didn't like going into it, but where I was going before, uh, I gave this house trailer away because it, it wasn't worth nothing. It had a, you know, a bunch of cowboys and young people had lived in it through the years. And it, it was kind of ragged, ragged out. And, uh, there was a guy that would get these trailers and, and, uh, restore them. And he had like a little trailer park, I guess he rented out. And, uh, that guy started, you know, I made a deal with him. I was like, well, I just have to have it moved out when, when we settle on this place. And, and he was like, yeah, that's, that's, uh, He's like, yeah, I'll take it. And he had a guy that worked for him. And that guy was underneath the, underneath of this trailer, disconnecting stuff. And he had a saw and somehow or the other. And, and I remember them saying, this is weird. Maybe it was something, maybe not, but he basically cut the end off of three of his fingers. And you know, he went to the hospital and he was like, I don't know how it happened. It just, it, you know, he's like, I was under there and it, that it just got away from me. He said, but I wasn't even, he's like, I was moving it, but I really wasn't using it. And, uh, a guy moved the trailer off the property and, uh, all sorts of stuff. This guy got thrown from a horse hurt real bad. Uh, and, and just, it, it, it seemed like his, everything just really went wrong for him after, you know, he had moved this trailer 
and uh, wound up, uh, you know, he was an older gentleman and it, he passed away, I think within a year, but it was like from, it, it was one of the things that we've sat and discussed and it's all speculation, of course, but it was, you know, it was like, yeah, ever since he took that trailer off there, everything just really went wrong for him, you know? And, uh, so, and the property itself, it just, after, it, after we moved up here to Gardner's, uh, the, the place we have now, it, it dates back to like the civil war that it's on a, well, it's on, a, on an 1872 map. We found it and the people that like lived here from like the thirties and then they passed away, I guess in the early nineties, uh, they were like good Christian people. And this place we live at now is very quiet. And when we moved up here, that was like one of the first things we noticed. It was just like a burden had been lifted off of us and, and it's peaceful at the old place. There was always turmoil the, you know, my family with my grandparents and my parents, uh, there was, you know, there was just never happiness or peace there. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, but, uh, but yeah, the, yeah. Uh, of course I'm, I'm on the phone with you now and we're, we're having this interview and it's like, I could probably go on for hours and hours and it's like, well, I'm drawing a blank, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> it's time to go away into the light. I feel the calming energy. I see the darkness coming. This is Rocky Elmore, author of Out on Foot, and you're listening to The Confessionals with Tony. Um, just I have a few things you know noted down here. I'll just start with JP first of all. I just you know just a random question. Um, would you be able to describe JP more what he was into? Um, uh, yeah, like like. And also, I want to ask you one specific question about him, and the answer is probably not going to be what I'm thinking, but. Was JP a minority? Was he black? No, he wasn't. Okay. Uh, he was a white guy, but uh, he, um, the guys, I rodeoed some uh, when I was a teenager, you know, being in the horse world and everything. That was, you know, I got in to riding Bronx. And all these guys were very into the Western, uh, you know, JP roped and he rode, uh, cutting horses, you know, where they, they sort out cattle and stuff. And he was very Western, but like along with the lines of what you're asking, 
he was the a slender built guy. Like if you were making a movie about the Civil War, this guy would have the perfect build and look that he could have. You could have used him in the movie. Okay. You know, just uh, and, and that was that's one thing that uh, I thought of. You know, thought of also is like yeah, he could look like you know if somebody passed away there and and were you know their spirit was hanging around that he might have reminded them of somebody in life that uh, they didn't care for or maybe it he they thought he was his brother or something you know and, yeah uh, i mean cuz one of the things that you like you were describing the things that were happening when jp was around like one could you know find it as an offensive thing where you know, oh, lights are coming on every time I'm around. Or you could look at it as, you know, a welcoming thing where the music comes, it gets turned on and lights are being turned on, you know, almost like welcoming somebody home. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's, it's very curious. Yeah. It, yeah. And like when we were playing cards that night, you know, the door kept opening up and, and that one thing we joked about, you know, JP wasn't in it at this time. And, uh, you know, not everybody was playing cards because it was one of those things you, uh, you keep quiet. You know, if I walked up to you on the street and said, I just, you know, seen a ghost, it's like, well, you know, who's this dude? Uh, you know? Yeah. And, uh, it's, it, you know, so they, you know, they kind of let people find out, but it was that, that, uh, it was active enough there that it didn't take you long before you figured out something was, you know, something was going on with the place, you know? And, uh, and that was, but then, then there was the time he was, you know, walking up and it was like every light came on and the door swung open and, and, you know, like, come on in. And, uh, you know, and he was like, no, nah, I don't think I'm going in there right now. And that was another time, uh, this JP, he lived like a half a mile up the road at another horse farm that, you know, he helped the, the guy run, you know, run things up there. And then he would come down with, uh, my people, you know, the Shane and everything and Shane would rodeo and he would be gone and JP would come down and help take care of the horses and stuff if he wasn't around or whatever. So, and you know, Shane would do likewise with, with, uh, him and that's, uh, you know, like when the whole door opened and the lights all came on, he knew nobody was home. And he was just, you know, the, the it was just like a, a central place you'd go in and get a get a soda out of the refrigerator, use the bathroom or whatever and and uh but uh yeah, he JP didn't do that much, you know, <laughs> after that. And then after like I said, the stereo incident that he was just like, I don't know, I don't think it likes me and I'm not going back in, you know. So <laughs> Yeah, I can understand that. Yeah. I mean, uh, everybody reacts to these kind of things differently. So, uh, yeah, I wanted to ask you, you know, with all this activity happening in your trailer, was there ever any artifacts found on the property from the Civil War that maybe were put in the trailer as trinkets? Uh, there was stuff found on the, on the property. Uh, the little things, uh, we found an 1802 penny. Uh, I'm trying to think. We found uh, found a couple bullets, but, you know, the bullets around Gettysburg, you know, uh, they're easy to find. 
I know on the battlefield that they they surface regularly, even to this day. Now on the battlefield, you're not supposed to pick them up or handle them or, or anything. Or I guess you're just supposed to turn them into a park ranger or tell a park ranger about it. But really? we saw found a a couple bullets, like not spent bullets, just maybe something that fell out of somebody's ammo bag or something. Uh, there was we found two belt buckles, but we they could have been from the, the Civil War. But they weren't like the the Union belt buckle or the Confederate belt buckle. They were literally just like old style belt buckles. You know what I'm saying? That the leather the yeah. leather had rotted away, and and uh, it you know kind of with the horses you know running across the ground all the time and everything, and then it would get wet and you know it'd be muddy and things would you know it, that's how things would kind of work up you know like that. But uh, as far as what the the trailer was, there was a little bit of ground. It was pretty level where it was set, but it was, uh, the excavator did scoop out a dirt. Of course, uh, I'm saying this and that, that kind of registered where they kind of scooped out the dirt to, to make the trailer level was at the end of the house where the spare bedroom was, where everything started up. Uh, there wasn't anything found there that I know of the dirt was, you know, dug up and, and hauled off, uh, did whatever that was. They said that was actually probably in 89 when I did that. And, but on the neighbor's property, the house that I had lived in, you know, for a few months while my grandparents' house was being built, they were digging a, a redigging a sewer line to that place. And they found arm and leg bones. Whoa. That would have been amputees. Uh, I I should tell you about that place and the and the neighbors uh, that that lived there after you know we moved out and then and then that place was sold and yeah. and uh, uh, they they moved in and like I said they one of the things they did uh, uh, you know digging out and they they found the the arm and leg bones and, and something else I'd, I'd mentioned earlier about the horse attacking, uh, Wayne, I'll just, uh, use his name. Uh, uh, the horse attacked him, but after the, when they were digging this line, they, his wife's name was Diane. The neighbor on the other side of him had a little tractor with the little traco on the back of it. And, uh, so he was digging it for him. You know, we all helped out each other. If you had something, you know, save the money. Uh, and they, they started, they hit these bones and of course they stopped. I guess they talked to some people. I wasn't there that day other than I came home and, and they were telling me about it. Somebody from, I don't know if it's the park service, the county or whatever had came out looked at these bones and said, well, yes, that's what these are, you know, should have been cleaned up the earlier than this, but you know, they, uh, they reclaimed them or whatever and, and dug around a little bit and, uh, you know, considered it, well, okay, you can keep with your project. And so like a week or two later, they go to digging again and, uh, and Wayne and his wife, Diane were out there and the guy on the track go, and they had, a. They had a son and two daughters that, you know, were there that day too. Uh, 
I, I was there, I came down like later that evening and they were telling me about it. And I, I knew something weird had happened, but while, while this guy was digging, there was this blood curdling yell and it said, Diane, it like screamed Diane, which was Wayne's wife's name. And when the guy operating the track over this, he, he didn't know if somebody got hurt or whatever. So he immediately shut down everything. And the kids kind of came around and everybody was looking at each other like, who yelled? And nobody yelled, but this yell had happened. Uh, well, after that is when things started happening to that, or to Wayne. And one of them was that he had a, had a stud horse and he was out in the pasture working on the fence. And this was one that his son and, and his wife, Diane had witnessed the horses. This was like a 50 acre field that they had. And the horse was at the far end and the horse just took off from the, you know, the rest and just charged across this field to where he was working on the fence and started attacking him. And one of the things that happened was that the horse bit off his ear and, uh, you know, his son and the, the wife got out there and they got the horse, you know, kind of beaten off of him and, and, uh, you know, took him to the hospital and, and, uh, you know, a couple emergency surgeries later and it just, you know, <clears throat> uh, the horse got gelded and, uh, you know, eventually they, you know, sent him, sent him to the horse sale and stuff. And they couldn't understand it. The horse was fine with everybody, except the, the horse had something that it just turned on Wayne this day. And I was around horses all my life and I'd never really heard or seen anything like this, but, uh, I've seen the way this horse acted. If it could see Wayne, it, it was, you know, really agitated. And, uh, so Wayne got better from that. And, uh, well, he was out in his driveway a couple months later and he was changing a tire and he had like an old tire machine that he picked up at an auction somewhere. And he was changing this tire on this rim. And, uh, there was a loud explosion. You know, everybody thought the tire blew up when he was putting the rim on or putting it on the rim. But what actually happened was the rim had exploded. The steel parts had shattered on the one corner and, uh, he nearly lost his hand from this. They he had several surgeries. They had the pins and rods running down through his fingers where you would adjust the end of the, you know, the, to keep, uh, things tight and straight or whatever. And, yeah. uh, I know that was, it was, you know, he, his hand was in the cast and that was, was months, uh, you know, that was, that was happening to him. And, uh, it, it just, uh, I'm trying to think there was one other thing that happened to him weird. And I, and I just, uh, you know, but they, uh, after a lot of this stuff happened, they decided it was time to move on and they sold the place and, and, uh, they moved down to West Virginia and I stayed in contact with them for a lot of good years or a lot of years. They were, you know, I got to be good friends with them and everything. And, and, uh, once they had moved away, they were just like, there was something. And, and they always said, well, it was when we dug the, you know, the sewer line and, uh, yeah. So yeah, it almost sounds like they, uh, there was like, um, a disturbance of a grave. That's what it reminds me of. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, uh, yeah. 
and but there was there was a lot of stuff and and like I said said before is I never understood how our modern house and the the modern uh you know barn and everything why there was activity and and uh you know there and and then like I said with my family it was one of those things when we uh it's hard to explain but it was just one of those when we moved away from there and moved up here uh my mother had passed away before we had left down there uh the last year we were there the place was on the on the market and we had a contract on the place the home that we have now my mother came and and uh she stayed with us for christmas and then it was the first week of january uh she passed away she had a stroke but that was i don't you know i don't look at that as being you know anything to do with the place but like the property itself uh my mother and my my after my grandfather passed away my mother and grandmother couldn't get along and and uh they were you know my mother wanted to run the property and you know the barn and everything and and my grandmother you know didn't want there there was some underlying issues that were already there but being at that place and then moving away from the place it's like i really think you know it had a lot to do with it and when i bought the place from my grandmother it was so she could buy a house next to her sisters which lived down in maryland and and uh, my mother had moved away you know years before my parents had separated and and uh she'd moved away and and uh but after my grandmother moved away the my they got back together and you know after like not talking to each other for three years you know started talking and had a good relationship again until my grandmother passed away and that, that's one of those things that i look back on uh, the people that I dealt with, like running out the barn and stuff, there was, it was hard. We just, you know, anybody that was there and working out of that place, we just never got along. And, you know, like talking about the people that I dealt with trying to lease out the barn and stuff, it was just, there was always tension and turmoil. And, uh, you know, and then we sold yeah. it. And I kind of, uh, the, the people that that have bought it now have had problems with the neighbors and there there was some stuff that that you know i kind of know i i haven't talked to anybody down there in that that neck of the woods you know in a while now but it was after like i said we moved up here and it was like a big weight lifted off our shoulders and it was like it really was that place you know This is Jason from episode 17, Touching a Bigfoot, and you're listening to The Confessionals with Tony. 
it's like the property had a lot of history of conflict on it. And it seems like just the spirit, not a particular spirit, but a just that that spirit in the general sense of conflict, it seems like it remained on the property. Uh, yeah. With with earlier in your life, uh, when you were younger and you first moved on the property, like, first of all, how old were you when you first moved on that property? I was 13. Okay, so you were 13 years yeah. old. And the first thing that you remember happening was you got you heard a horse run up to the house and you heard the door open, boots walk in, your aunt heard it, you heard it. What was the conversation like between you and your aunt or maybe you and the whole family if everybody talked about it? But did did your aunt acknowledge that maybe there was some kind of uh, supernatural element going on here or did she just try to ignore it? No, she uh, like, she believed... That that night, like I know, she came down the stairs, and uh, and I was in a, a bedroom, like kind of around the back of the stairs. Uh, you know how those old farmhouses are. It's uh, it wasn't like there's a room at least to the next room. No, nothing was nice and square and neat, neat and even. You right. know, it was like this piece got added on, and this. Well, I remember she came down the stairs, and. Uh, I came out around the stairs. I was 13 years old and, and I didn't know what was going on and didn't want to go rushing out there, you know, to meet who knows what or why or how, you know. And uh, she came down the stairs and was flipping on the lights and, and everything. And and uh, there was nobody there. And she checked the door and, and there was like a little lock on the, you know, uh, she's like, well, the door's locked. And, and, you know, she was like looking kind of like with her palms up, like, I, I know I thought I heard something. And of course, I, I remember saying, yes, I heard that too, you know, and and we both it was like, yeah, I heard the horses coming up, you know, come running up. And she was like, well, I heard horses running and I thought something must have been loose, you know, and I, I was like, well, yeah, it's, you know, I didn't think that I just heard horses running up and, you know, 13 year old, I, you know, I was just thinking this is weird and I'm in a new place, you know, and, uh, don't know what they do in this part of the country, you know? So, yeah. but, uh, and then it was, I, the rainy night was one of those things. That was one, it just kept, that was, uh, we had been there and this was like in the fall, it was cool out, but it, it was, it was like a heavy downpour and we just, we heard mumbling and like, like people, griping about this and, and, you know, and, uh, this or that. And, you know, we'd look out the back door, like down towards the Creek where we're hearing this. And she shined the flashlight all around. I had a flashlight. I shined all around and, you know, and it's like, yeah, I know we heard somebody out there and we would go back into like the living room area and, and continue watching TV. And then we would hear it again and we would look out there. And then, uh, I remember she, went in and she shut off the TV and we sat in the room just in, in silence. And in a few minutes we, we heard that again and yeah, it didn't really see anything, but you know, the experience, you, you heard stuff, you, you know, you felt things, you, you, you've seen things happen. You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, when it comes down to seeing apparitions and stuff, there's stuff that you would catch out of the corner of your eye but there's 
there's very little that I would sit here and say to you that I seen this and it, it this didn't belong. Uh, it, it's that that thing is just out of reach that you that, that I wouldn't swear to. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But yet there was uh, on the same note, there was the only thing that I could say that I saw one time, and and it, there was a buddy of mine, and we were. I was probably 14 or 15 and we were doing barn tours and, uh, and my buddy, Chad, he, he seen it first. He said, does that look like a lantern? Like somebody walking down the road, swinging the lantern. And I looked and I was like, I don't see anything. And he's like, well, it isn't there now. And a minute or two later, it wasn't very long. He goes, there it is again. And I looked out. And it was dark, but it looked like somebody walking along, swinging a lantern. And it was like, well, that could be a flashlight or something. And and uh, and it was coming towards the barn, and uh, and it was kind of open. I don't, you know, I don't. We don't. We don't know where it ever got to, but it was just one of those things. It looks like somebody's walking along, swinging a lantern, and then it wasn't there. You know what I'm saying? Uh, but right back again, right on the edge. I think we've seen this one time, but I, I couldn't swear to it. Uh, the other stuff, it's like, oh yeah, yeah, that 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 happened. That was real, you know. Yeah. So. Well, all right. So I want to revisit real quick the experience you had with your mattress. Now you described that the mattress would be, if I correct me if I'm wrong, but it'd be turned sideways from the box spring uh, when you'd wake yeah. up, right? Yes, okay. that's that's how it started. So, so it it started like that, and you know, eventually you wake up with your bed bouncing. Now, yeah, do you ever remember waking up at any point and feeling any kind of movement that was out of the ordinary outside of the mattress being moved. Cause I know you said that you'd wake up with it like that. So obviously you weren't waking up, but was there ever any, a time that you, you woke up and, and you you felt maybe something uh, pulling on the mattress or the sheets or something like that, or, or like how your cousin felt somebody crawl into bed with her. She wakes, she gets up and sees the imprint of something laying there. Have you ever experienced anything like anything like that yourself? There was uh, there was a few times where I would almost be asleep, and I would feel like something bumped the bed, uh, or something just like a little quiver of a shake, and you know it startled me awake, and I would sit up, and uh, you know nothing there, not quite sure what it was, and and then you know I would fall back to sleep. And, uh, on the, the sleeping thing, uh, I, I sleep very, and, and still to this day, I might have a hard time falling asleep, but when I sleep, uh, my wife would, you know, she'll tell you, she goes, well, if anybody ever breaks in, it'll be me and the dogs because you'll sleep through it, you know? And it's like, that's pretty much the way I am to this day. But, uh, so it's like, but something was happening. The, like I said, there was the one time that the box spring was literally up out of the bed frame and twisted. And I think 
at the time, I was, you know, late teens, early 20s when this law had been, I'd have been 20, 21 maybe. And uh, it would be like, this doesn't, I don't know how I did this, but I just didn't put the two and two together because I would sleep, you know. I, there, you know, in my mind, I'd be like, well, there's no way I could have slept through that. But then again, I would have, you know, I obviously was sleeping through it. And, uh, the, when I woke up and the bed was shaking, uh, you know, or like bouncing up and down, you know, I woke up and it's like, you come conscious and I'm laying there and it's like, this bed is bouncing up and down. What is causing this? And then, you know, like I said, my eyes open, I reached over and turned on the light. And uh, at this point, the bed was still shaking, bouncing, whatever. And I swung out when about the time my feet hit the floor, it just stopped. And uh, I went, there was one thought that I had trying to make the logical sense of it was like, maybe my parents had came home and with them being truck drivers and which you understand this too, that, you know, it might've been two o'clock in the morning they would have came home on a run and they'd be home for 10 hours before they went out again. Right. And, uh, and you know, I walked out, but you know, into the you know the house and it was like, well, no, the lights aren't on. And I, you know, looked out the window, their cars weren't there. And it was just like, okay, this, you know, then it started registering with me. It was like, wow, that bed was bouncing off the floor. And, you know, and it's like, I think I'm sleeping on the sofa tonight. Of course, I didn't go back to sleep right away. I think I probably turned on the TV and, and sat on the sofa until I, you know, drifted off again. But, uh, yeah, the, but like to answer your question, there was a few times, you know, a bunch, a bump or a nudge or a little quiver of, you know, of a shake or something. But, uh, I never had anybody call in bed with me per se or something I felt, you know felt like but uh my cousin louise she you know like i said she came out and it was uh yeah somebody crawled in bed with me and when i turned on the light there was an indentation in the bed and i got out and you know and i'm not sleeping in there you know so right yeah that's i mean that would (laughs) i can't blame her i I definitely wouldn't want to be uh sleeping (laughs) in a bed with any kind of spirit laying there next to me (laughs) that's just weird to think about (laughs) Um, I guess, you know what, before we get out of here, I want to ask you one more question here. Uh, you said that you and your wife were, uh, just newlyweds when you sold the trailer, I believe. Uh, yes, we were, uh, I met her, uh, we got, because we got married in the barn and, but I didn't live in that trailer when I bought the place off of my grandmother, I moved up to the house, which was like a hundred yards up the driveway. And, uh, just, you know, like with the family and the, 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 the history of their little farm down there is my grandparents bought this piece of property. Their house wasn't built yet. That's why I lived in the, the neighbor's house next door. That was the old civil war house. Then my right. grandparents got that house built and I moved up there with them. Things were fairly quiet in there. Uh, you know, not much. It was up on the ridge. It was, you know, up out of the zone if you'd want to call it that, that there was some stuff that went on, but I believe it had more to do with my grandparents because, uh, my grandmother passed away. Just, uh, the wife and I were married in Oh two and she had passed away like two months before our wedding. 
And my grandfather had passed away in the backyard up there in 89. Uh, he was actually loading a horse in a trailer and he collapsed with a heart attack. And my grandmother was home. Uh, and that was a January day. And uh, I was in, in school and a, I was with the fire company and stuff with a buddy of mine that was in the fire company. He heard it go out over the little miniatures that we used to carry to alert us that there was a fire, but he heard that there was an ambulance call at our house. And, uh, I came home and, and, uh, you know, they were loading him in the ambulance and, uh, and then my grandmother lived there for a few years, but with me trucking, well, I got into trucking after, you know, when I rodeoed, I wasn't around much and my parents both being truckers, uh, you know, we would just come and go, but none of us were there full time. And, and she had a, she wanted to move down to Maryland next to her sister. And, and, uh, I had some people like, we'll rent out the barn. If you, you know, if you owned it. And I was like, well, I, you know, I've looked at it as an investment. I bought the place and rented out the barn. And like I said, that just, that never worked out with anybody, but, uh, my grandmother. So, but she, I want, yeah, I, go ahead. I wanted to ask you, I mean, uh, your wife, has she, did she ever experience anything on the property or in the trailer before you got rid of it? No, but she never, not that I, I don't think so. She knew about the trailer, but we never lived in that trailer together because I owned the house, you know, my grandmother's house when we got married. And when we met, I, I lived up in the house. So, and I had the, the house trailer, I rented it to a couple different people through the years. And then, uh, you know, and then, then when I leased out the barn, that was just part of the deal because okay. everybody that I rented it out to, uh, they pretty much said, yeah, there's something going on there, but they would move out. Uh, there, there was uh, one couple, they split up after they had lived in there for a little while. Shoot. I should have warned. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I, I know when I rented out that house show, just like what I was telling you earlier, and I rented it out to that guy that, you know, leased out the barn and he was going to put his son Shane in there. You know, I told him, I was like, don't know if you believe in this or not, but there's things to happen in this trailer, you know, and everybody pretty much just kind of blew it off. Um, uh, you know, other than, than the, one guy, you know, said, well, don't tell him that he won't stay there, you know, and then he moved him in and he found out, but, uh, there was a couple before that that had moved in and, uh, they, they got the, they didn't get along and, and they wound up splitting up. Uh, they, yeah, they weren't married that long, but on the same note, you know, I knew this, these people and they, you know, they, I wasn't surprised they split up, you know what I'm saying? I don't know if living in that trailer had anything to do with it. I could imagine it could, you know, being away from that place and, and understanding the turmoil that, you know, the hatred and discontent that just seemed to be surrounding that place. Uh, yeah. But I mean, and, I mean, people, I mean, I don't know, like people can just have bad, you know, yeah, bad, bad, and that's what I'm saying. And stuff too. I know what you. I know. Like, it, it's so hard because when you have all this activity in a centralized location and such negative, 
like you see that pattern, you know, and it's hard to distinguish between the two. Like what was just relational, relational, and what was you know maybe you know an outside force interfering here, you know? Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and that's. Uh, I wanted, yeah, so I wanted to ask you before we get out of here. I wanted to ask you just a basic fundamental question. There is no right or wrong answer to this, um, mm. but with your experiences on that property. What do you think it was, and what are your thoughts on the whole ghost thing? What do you think ghosts are? Uh, well, I'm not no expert, but when you think about, like, I, I've always been big into history, and you have, there was roughly 160,000 men that fought at Gettysburg, you know, on both sides, and, like, that piece of property in the hospital and it, it was like along the Confederate retreat. Uh, you know, if you're a young guy from, you know, Tennessee and here you are mortally wounded laying in a field, just, you know, outside of Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. And I could see where your spirit might be stuck there. Uh, you know, there could also the residual, haunts is one thing that I've heard, you know, and that, that, you know, see where somebody's used to going through the motions and even after they pass away, they're still doing their job or whatever. But I really think, uh, like on that place, there was just, you know, the suffering and the turmoil you're, you're laying in a tent, you know, a young person that did have your whole life ahead of you and that, you know, now it's fading away and everything. And, and you're surrounded by other people. It's in the, the same dismal, you know, situation, I, it just, uh, you know, I think there's a, uh, a mark or a scar or something that's left, you know, on the property, uh, you know, in a deeper spiritual sense, you know, yeah. and it, that, you know, one thing I talked about the activity, there was one thing that I noticed with that. And it, even with Gettysburg, there's times that things are very active and, you know, a lot of the places I hung out in Gettysburg, too, had activity. And it, it was just a common thing. But there was also the real thing that the battle that happened there, not saying that the spiritual activity isn't a, you know, real thing, but you have the documented, the sacrifice, the, you know, that what went on there. And these people are studying that. But with the activity, you might you might come to Gettysburg and visit uh you know, next week and there wouldn't be, you know, everything would kind of be quiet. Then you might come the first week of July, which is the anniversary. And there's a lot more people coming to Gettysburg and stuff. And there might be all sorts of activity, you know, going, it's like everything stirred up. And that's the way it was at the, that this place down there, you know, there was times it was real active. You would hear voices, you would, uh, Things would be moving on you. Strange things would be happening, you know, every day. And then you would go through a month or two months where it's quiet and there's nothing going on. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like kind of, uh, it would come and go in, in uh, you know, different, uh, uh, I'm trying to look for the right word, but there'd be active times and there'd be quiet times, you know? Right. So that's, yeah. But right. yeah, that I 
I just believe it's the people. And just like the, the farm that we have now and the people, they were, you know, good Christian people. And, you know, they grew old together and, and then they passed away. And we, we know the history of this place because I know both their son and daughter are older people now. And I, I'm big into history and the, and the stuff and especially the history of our place. And uh, our place, it's just there's, you know, it's a very old farmhouse. It's It's been here for, you know, ages. And yet it's peaceful here. There's nothing haunting here. And I, I think it's, you know, when, when their time came, they moved on. So, yeah, it sounds like yeah. it. Um, yep. Well, Dodd, I really appreciate you coming on tonight and sharing your experiences with uh, me and the audience. Uh, it's much appreciated. I'm sure people are going to really enjoy hearing about it because Gettysburg is such a historic place. So, so to hear some uh, ghost stories coming out of Gettysburg is always always a fun thing to do. So I really appreciate you coming yeah. on tonight, man. I, I really, really enjoyed having you. I, I really enjoy your podcast uh, and everything you've had great guests on and everything. I hope I didn't end that streak though. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> no, you're fine. You're fine. No, man. Yeah, I, so, I definitely appreciate yeah. you coming on. So, um, definitely keep in touch with me. And if you know, you hear anything else about that property, feel free to reach out to me. Okay. Okay, I'll do that. Thanks for having me on, Tony. All right, man. Take care. Hey. Well, that's the show, everybody. I really hope you enjoyed it. And if you did enjoy it, there are three things you can do to help support the show. One, go to iTunes and leave a five-star rating and review. Two, go to patreon.com forward slash the confessionals and sign up to become a patron. Or three, you can take the link that you're listening to the show on right now and share it around social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, wherever you're at. I would really appreciate that a lot. And until next week, friends, on Tuesday, take care, stay safe, and remember, the truth will set you free, but first it will piss you off. (laughs) 